was he was really like a you know, quote unquote culture shock. And eventually it got so bad, her drug addiction got so bad that it, it really it jeopardized me and my, my younger brother's um, you know, survival, man. You know, survival, man. I came out from the mold, Job, so I hate nine to fives. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? What's up? Welcome to the Dreadhead and Say Podcast. I'm your host, Benz Hilaire. Yeah, yeah. And right now, this is episode three. three. For this episode, we have the homie Divine. Divine gonna talk to you about how he got into the tech industry. Uh-huh. How he came from being, you know, in prison yep. to, you know what I'm saying, getting some little things in the streets. And then from there on, what? linking up with Ben Horace on Twitter. And after that, got his own company started in the tech industry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But before we start, though, go ahead, man, leave a positive review. And also, don't forget to, like, hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Dreadhead and Tech. Appreciate it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, my name's Devon. I'm a CEO and founder of um, a company called Black Group. And um, I'm an urban entrepreneur. And I distinctively call myself an urban entrepreneur versus just an entrepreneur. And I can explain you know, why I do that as we get into this conversation. Okay, so, so Devon, so right now, what are you based right now? You in, uh, you still in um, California? Yeah, I'm based in uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah, can you tell the listeners where you was uh where you born and raised? Yeah, well, I was born and raised in, in my youth in um in uh Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's a state, it's a small state in the union, smaller city in the state as well. That's situated uh between uh, Massachusetts and Connecticut. As I got older, I transplanted to New York, New York City, NYC, and um. Specifically, the borough of Brooklyn. Mm, okay, now, so now, as far as Brooklyn go, man, like, how was it back then living in Brooklyn? Because uh, even now, you know, me being in Brooklyn, like, a lot of folks that were either raised in Brooklyn say it's not the same Brooklyn as it is right now. Can you kind of give the listeners an idea of what Brooklyn used to be like back then? Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot's changed, a lot's changed, man. Um, it was a much grittier time, a much more criminal time, if you would. You know what I'm saying the early 80s, late 80s crack epidemic into the early 90s. Brooklyn changed a lot, man. Mm. You know, with the gentrification and brothers that brought me into um into spirituality while I was incarcerated, they hailed from they hailed from um, four green projects, and um that whole area has changed um dramatically, man, and drastically. Yeah, facts, man, facts. Now, as far as like um you know how you actually got involved in the t- in, into the tech industry, man, like your story itself is a very interesting story. Okay, so now let's kind of bring it back to the Brooklyn days, right? So around that time, like like as uh, growing up, what vision did you have in mind, or what goal did, did you have in mind to become when you get older? I mean, like was it was it tech or was it something else you had in mind when you was growing up as a kid? Yeah, yeah, you know, I came up, I came up middle class early on, man, being raised in my early years, man, in Newport, Rhode Island, I came up middle class, my mom's a middle class, she always worked and provided for us, me and my younger brother and my sisters, man, so life was, life was, you know, life was I, you know what I mean, as far as I knew it, and then, you know, she had a, she had a, um, she had a situation, my mother had an um, emotional, mental breakdown, and uh, life abruptly changed when that happened, she moved away from Newport, she didn't take me and my younger brother when she did initially, we ended up following her later on. And living down in Louisiana, Leesville, Louisiana, for about a year. And during that time, she got involved with unscrupulous individuals, made some bad decisions, man. Got involved with the drug trade, and eventually started using drugs. Started using drugs. And we eventually came back up top, and um, you know, we were thrust into the projects, man, and, 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 um, and became impoverished and living in poverty. And that was my first, you know, my first interaction of of, of living like that. 
eventually it got so bad, her drug addiction got so bad that it, it really it jeopardized me and my, my younger brother's, um, you know, survival, man. You know, survival, man. Um, just to be able to thrive, man, you know, with the proper food, clothing, and shelter. So all, the, all, the, all that became became um, jeopardized. And I took to the streets at an early age, man. Nah, for sure, man. Damn, like around that, around that time, were you like a teenager or were you more of a like twenty years old adulthood? Yeah, it happened around like I was ten years old and then full fledged uh, crack addiction mm. came around. You know, when I was about thirteen years old, man, mm. and I, I entered the streets to survive, literally survive mm. and make money hustling. When I was about thirteen years old, man, I got involved in the drug game. Selling crack cocaine, man. Selling cocaine, you know. One thing for sure, man. Growing up in this kind of area, that's, that's that's always like a thing that a lot of us, you know, young black folks always, you know, fall into, man. You know what I'm trying to say. But overall, though, the fact that you still ended up, you know, years later having a career change from that to the tech industry, um, exactly what what happened to really get you to that point of either stop selling or changing your life around, you know? Yeah, so after the drug game, um, after the drug game, I was eventually incarcerated. I became very, very successful at selling drugs. Very, very good at it. But not good enough that I avoided um, that I avoided incarceration and you know, arrest and incarceration and conviction or arrest, conviction and incarceration. But um, while I was away, I, I'd, always, I'd always been artistic. I've always been creative. I like to draw and I gravitated towards hip-hop heavily. And I experienced all, all five elements of hip hop, you know what I'm saying? From DJing to graffiti to breakdancing to actually MCing. I gravitated more towards MCing. And um, when I went to when I went to prison, when I went to federal prison, initially for you know for eighty four months, seven years of my life, I decided I wanted to hone my skills and um, become a hip hop rap recording artist. But not only a hip hop rap recording artist, but also an executive. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I and I came up with a plan that you know, start my own record label. Mm. And that was kind of my passion, coming home, and um, and that's what I pursued initially when I came home. Got into the music game, started my own independent record label in New York City. Unfortunately, I really wasn't able to secure finance to really build my company. So eventually, I went back to the streets. And to fast forward, you know, I dealt with recidivism going in and out of prison for years, man. So fast forward, the last time I was incarcerated about six years ago, and um, I was determined. I had a determined idea in my mind to change my life because I became 100% dissatisfied with it. And I'd always been taught that unless you're 100% dissatisfied, no change will occur. So I decided to become an entrepreneur and learn all I could formally about entrepreneurship. And that led to me, you know, reading magazines from Inc., Black Enterprise, to Entrepreneur, and reading books like, you know, Think and Grow Rich, uh, Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Richest Man in Babylon, and started really like learning entrepreneurship formally from just you know being self-taught because you know again we go back you know i'm only having i only have eight grade formal education and um, i learned the music industry from a to z on my own reading books and so i did basically did the same thing with entrepreneurship started reading books you know you know self-studying and educating myself in that space and that's how i kind of got toward formal entrepreneurship and started building what happened mentally when, when you saw yourself, once again, going back in, you know what I'm saying, going back, whether that's jail or prison, can you kind of, like, put us where your mind was at, the, the thing that said, you know what, man, all right, I'm not doing this no more. Was it was it just you being locked up, or was it just, like, your mind, something happened inside while you was in there? 
You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I'm trying to ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I follow you, man. I think I think when I initially went in, you know, I went in with a, with a, with a mindset of survival. I came from the streets. I came from hustling, so I always had a survival mindset. I always was always I was always innovative. I was always from you know fairly intelligent. So I kind of leaned on, you know, on a lot of my, my DNA intelligence in the streets. And the same way I, when I went to prison, you know, I, I looked to master my environment. I didn't want my environment to master me, nor my circumstances to dictate how, how I think and how I feel and how I move, you know, what I do. So my thing was to get in, get in, go into prison and get out as fast as possible. So that was where my mindset was, with that survival mode, just get out as fast as possible. I became a model inmate, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and a lot that I did in prison was, you know, just study books and just read. To prepare myself for release, uh, and um, the last time I was incarcerated, mindset was more so. I was just tired of going in that prison and dealing with this this negative psychological cycle of recidivism mm-hmm. and just engaging in crime culture, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, illegal activity and criminal behavior. I just got I just got tired of it, and I wanted to change for myself. And that's where you know that's where the change took place in my mind was that I became 100 dissatisfied, and then I came up with a determined idea to learn something new and create something different for my life. Yeah. And that's what kind of like, you know, that was the spark right there that led to me taking the next steps I took when I came home or while I was there and then when I came home and, uh, you know, reaching towards, you know, entrepreneurship and, and, and eventually startup building. I know, I know at one point when you was in there, there was a point where you actually, I think you either read about uh, ben and uh, interest or, um or you either saw a video of, of Ben or like, uh, how did that, Inspiration come about for you to actually reach out, reach out to Ben um, when you got out. When I was incarcerated last time, like I said, I started reading these different magazines. Mm. Came across a magazine and it was called, it's called um, the Week, and it had a business section in there. And inside the business section was a story reprinted from um, the New York Times mm. or the Wall Street Journal, one of those, about this um, this famed venture capitalist named Ben Horowitz, who not only loved hip hop but used hip hop to teach business lessons to his employees. And uh, I was taken aback by that. I was intrigued by it. I thought it was a, a publicity stunt of sorts. I couldn't believe that, you know, an older white Jewish gentleman who was a billionaire in Silicon Valley and a venture capitalist loved hip hop. Mm-hmm. It just it just was foreign to me because mm-hmm. hip hop comes from pain, struggle, and survival. Mm-hmm. And him being a billionaire in Silicon Valley, to me, that, that speaks of, you know, wealth and privilege. But it intrigued me to learn more about who he was. And I learned that he was philanthropic. And I thought to myself, if I could get him, to take interest in, in who I am and you know in my story and my struggles of life, being that he's philanthropic, he might show if not empathy, at least sympathy mm-hmm. and may assist me. And I knew that if he did, my life would be changed forever. So when I came home, unfortunately I didn't follow through with that plan. It took two years later that I would see him on TV, um, on a documentary on VH one of uh, Steve Stout called The Ten of America, based on Steve Stout's book by the same name. I didn't recognize his face, but I recognized his name. Mm-hmm. And so I, I did more research on him the next morning. Found out he was friends with Nas. Mm. I was like, damn, Nas beat me to it. I said to myself, at least it's Nas, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't complain about that, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I came across on him having a book that he just had just released, which is published, called um, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Mm-hmm. And then he also had a blog that was read by 10 million, 10 million people. So I went to his blog, and the latest blog post is called Legend of the Blind and See. And inside that blog post, breaks down why he loved hip-hop and I was moved by that and then I read a couple more of his blog posts and I was just and I just identified and just connected with who he was his spirit resonated with me his writing resonated with me how he wrote and what he wrote, wrote about and what I learned about him I was compelled to reach out to him 
and I reached out to him on Twitter. I found him on Twitter and wasn't really sure if it was actually him because during those times, a lot of the accounts were, were, were fake accounts of, of celebrities and people of that stature, mm-hmm. and he didn't have the, the, you know, the blue check at that time. But um, I took the chance, reached out to him on Twitter, and was told, you know, I, I read about him on the prison, and that led to an exchange back and forth for about an hour publicly on Twitter. How long did it take to actually meet him in person in person? Okay, yeah, so, so when the Twitter exchange happened, I asked him to follow me because at the time you had to follow somebody for them to direct message you. Mm-hmm. So I asked him to follow me so we could finish talking and building in private. So he followed me. I had already followed him. When I got in the direct message, I basically broke down my entire life story to him. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sharing with you. Mm-hmm. I broke down my history and I said, you know, to I said to him straight up, I initially was gonna ask ask you to invest in my music company. But now that I have this opportunity, you know, um, will you mentor me? Mm-hmm. You teach me what you know. Saying, um, I struggled on my life and I want to change my life, and I'm, and I'm working towards that goal. You know, I, I appreciate you mentoring me. And you know, his at the time I had a Kickstarter, so I was raising seven thousand off my debut album. I, I shared that link to with him from check out my music. And then about an hour passed, and he returns and direct message me. He's like, Yo, I put money in your Kickstarter, and here's my email address. You have any questions, reach out to me. And from that, I eventually wrote a song for him called Venture Capitalism capitalist subtitled Ben Horowitz or like Ben Horowitz I played it I, I sent it to him and he, uh, he got it he played it for his wife who fell in love with it and outside of that he played it for Nas so mm. he was on his way with Nas to um to South by Southwest at the time this is 2014 and um he played it for Nas and Nas basically said yo the kid got skills and I, I like his beat I like the beat or whatever to the song. But his wife loved it so much, she became like my number one fan. And she ended up um, putting money on my Kickstarter as well. Mm. And between her and him, they became my number one pledges on my Kickstarter. They got funded, man. Anyone, you know, whether it's Ben or whoever else in that industry, such a high caliber, there'll like, be no point of reaching out. But one thing I'll give, I'll give Ben props on is that he's actually reaching back, you know what I'm saying? Saying, you know what, yeah, let me let me hear this dude out. Let me... Right, and, and, and yeah, to, 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 to finish off, mm-hmm. how long I met him after that was basically two weeks later he was giving this talk. So I reached out to him. We decided we was going to meet in New York City at this event that he was there speaking at. So um, we actually connected. I went to dinner with him that, that evening with him, his wife, Fairfire Freddie, um, R&B superstar Ryan Leslie. And... Uh, I had a friend that came along with me, one of my mans came along with me for that dinner. And we sat down with him and, you know, we broke bread, man. He just chopped it up, man, at that dinner that night. And then from there, a week passed and I get a phone call from his wife, Felicia. And, you know, they wanted to fly me out to, to a private um, event at his house for his birthday. And he was actually in France with Kanye and Steve Stout giving, giving a, um, a talk out there with them for cons, um, for cons French and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up being flown out to his house. When he got back from that, we met in his crib, and I spent the weekend with him and his him, him and his wife and his family and friends. You know, mm-hmm. man, that's what's up, man. And 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 then now, overall, overall, I'm guessing that you meeting Ben kind of like inspired you to actually remain in the tech industry. Overall, did you did you still want to do music, or did you say, you know what, let me pause on the music game and then just do tech? Surrounded by people like Nas, people like Kanye West. You know, he don't need me to be, you know, be, be a rapper and, you know, amongst him. Mm. That's the first thing I, I thought about. And, and I knew I had more to contribute to this relationship than just being a rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, this, and, you know, and, 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 and leverage that opportunity beyond just being a rapper. Mm. And um, and I saw what Tech did for him. Uh, and I was intrigued and I was interested in really pursuing something in Tech and figuring out something 
in, tech, in technology, and that led to me you know, creating my company in 2015, the year after meeting him. Um, the initial company I created was, was, was called Black Fintech. Black's the acronym that stands for Building, Leverage, Acquiring Knowledge. And uh, that was my first first time ever creating a startup. That's how, that kinda, that's how I kind of thought about getting the tech industry, and that's how it kind of happened, you know? And then, and then overall, for that company itself, what what, what made you want to tackle that aspect of, of a startup, like fintech and, and for black people? What was the mind frame on that at, on that part? Yeah, so, so, you know, you have to find a, you have to find a big problem to solve, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It has to be, it has to be a, a real market that exists for, for that problem, you know, for that solution that you're bringing to that problem. And for me, um, financial literacy and entrepreneurship education has always been... Um, one of my pain points, right? Mm-hmm. As far as me suffering from not having financial literacy, I made all kinds of money all my life hustling drugs, but never was able to leverage it properly because I didn't have financial literacy and, and I didn't have entrepreneurship education. Mm-hmm. I could have, you know, I could have did anything with that money, brought it into, you know, had I had financial literacy, I could have multiplied that money, I could have invested that money in the stocks or what have you, or I could have started, uh, started a business or, or built a startup with that money. I never had that opportunity because I didn't have those those teachings or that knowledge. So I've always suffered with being poor. So I wanted to empower people who are financially excluded. And I wanted to empower people who are unbanked and underbanked and that were kept out of the mainstream financial economy or the, or the mainstream banking, banking system. So I, that's how I came up with um, the black card. And black doesn't really necessarily mean ethnic or racial because black is spelled B-L-A-K. Mm-hmm. It's basically a process of empowerment, building, mm-hmm. leverage, acquiring knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's a process I use all, all my life to excel and succeed. Albeit it was in a drug game, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, in, in the criminal world. So um, that's how I kind of thought about it. So I looked at my own personal life, my own personal pain point that I suffered from all these years. And I wanted to not only solve that for myself, but solve that for the African-American demographic. And I chose the African-American demographic initially to do that was because as of all the groups in, in the United States, they suffer the most um, relative to their spending power, mm, mm. which is over $1 trillion, right? Yeah. So I knew if I could solve that problem for myself, I could solve that for them. And there was no products on the market at the time, and there still isn't really, that um, that addressed that that problem and brought it a real solution. Yeah. As far as the site goes, Okay, let's say you know someone listening want to become a um, user or for for the for the website. Can you kind of walk us through it? Like, what is the exact you know website, and also how can the user, I guess, join in or sign up? And then once I sign up, what is it exactly that that I will receive from your company as a user? So initially, initially, um, we had a one point product which was a prepaid debit card, mm-hmm. and like most prepaid debit cards work. Put your money, you put money on it, and we charge we charge fees, and that's how we make money. Mm-hmm. And but what I wanted to do in that in that in that in that ideation of that product, what I wanted to do was have a strong social impact component attached to it. So I decided to create a platform where we curated financial literacy and entrepreneurship education content and delivered that for free to our to our customers. I eventually got into a uh, into a program called Village Capital. That's where I learned my I learned formal entrepreneurship and formal startup building. That was my first time really learning learning that formally. Mm-hmm. I got through that program. That was in 2016, and I started building the company. Unfortunately, I ended up losing my team. I ended up losing a major deal with, with one of the oldest, second oldest African American owned bank in the country, uh, Mechanics and Farmers. We had a deal on the table with them for our debit card product. 
all that fell through. I ended up losing my team, and I had to do the proverbial pivot. So anybody in entrepreneurship, anybody that's a founder and has built a startup, knows that you eventually pivot, mm-hmm. and you eventually iterate on top of your, your original idea. So I, I put the company on hold for a while, and I'm just now getting back in the space to relaunch the company as Black Group Inc. Mm-hmm. And um, and we're building a um, we're building a product called Blackwell. I'm not. I really can't talk too much about it mm-hmm. in detail because mm-hmm. um, I'm still eyeing out a few things. But we're bringing in, we're possibly bringing in or potentially bringing in a co-founder and, and our first investor. But um, I will say this: I will say that how we iterated on top of the initial product being a one-point product, we're now going to offer multiple products and services, uh, tech-driven, personal, financial, and banking products, and uh, that are successive. And they basically empower, they basically financially empower the user. So we, we so we're starting with another platform. The platform will be financial literacy, entrepreneurship education, and we'll put them onto a, um, a bank account, a digital bank account, prepaid debit card if necessary, a uh, secure credit card to build credit, a full-fledged credit card. Then we'll get into lending products, micro loans, traditional loans, and peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer lending. And then from there, offer other other financial uh, products and services such as uh, financial planning and things of that nature. Oh, okay, now, sounds dope, man. And then, and then also, one thing I actually want to want to touch upon is, um, okay, so for those listening, right, you know, uh, let's you know it's, it's either folks from the hood or either folks that's, like, with no non-technical background. Um, do you have any, like, tips and advice on how to really inspire, not not even inspire, but, but some advice to kind of help them get into tech? Okay, let's say right now, right, let's say right now there's, like, a little kid in the hood, right? In the hood, they actually wanna. They actually feel like the only way out is through selling drugs or kicking down doors or doing whatever. Because even for me, growing up, I had to do something that I'm not proud of. As I look back, a lot of like awful things I have to do to to survive. Because no one told me about you know tech or about whatever, so I had no no kind of guidance. So now for those kids that were just like me and you, right? What are some things can you tell them? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people say follow your passion, but Ben always says follow your contribution. Mm-hmm. So just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you necessarily should be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll hear that a lot in the startup world, in the entrepreneurship world. But follow contribution, because I think contribution provides a deeper level of, of satisfaction, not only for yourself, mm-hmm. but for the world, because you're contributing something great to the world. And I think that's where you should start. Like, you know, for me, it was all about studying the space, understanding the tech, technology space. For me, my passion was entrepreneurship. I was always an entrepreneur. I liked the process of making money. So that was something that was a no-brainer. I wanted to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Technology just just was able to empower that and innovate on top of any type of entrepreneurial pursuit or business idea that I had. So it made sense to marry, marry that passion with technology and see how I could... Um, use technology to innovate on, you know, on my business, or innovate on my idea. And that's how I kind of merged the financial technology piece. And I already had the passion for entrepreneurship. That doesn't mean I was I was great at entrepreneurship just because I was able to sell drugs. Even though there were a lot of parallels, parallels, but I still had to educate myself. So I had a long yeah. learning curve. Yeah. So, but I put my, I put my mind to it. I, I, I became disciplined. I became, you know, I was I was already ambitious. I was determined to um to succeed. And it's not it's not an easy it's not an easy road. It, it's 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 a road less traveled by the multitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're able to succeed in entrepreneurship and become successful in technology, the rewards are great. Especially if you have 
a contribution to the world that you're bringing, especially if you have a social impact component into what you're doing. Bring value to society besides just looking for the money, right? Yeah. Don't do it simply because of the money, because the money will take a while to come. Mm-hmm. And the people, you know, people have a misconception that, you know, technology, money, I'll make a lot of money, I'll get funded. All those things are very, very hard to accomplish. But if you do accomplish them, um, the success will follow. Mm-hmm. But um, but like I say, always you know, always believe in yourself, never give up on yourself. And if you really want to pursue something, take the time to do the diligence on it. Um, you know, learn the space, learn the players in the space, continue to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. There's always a learning curve. There's always a training curve. Embrace it. Yeah. Embrace that struggle because it's gonna be a struggle. I love that, man. Like, and uh, for for a fact, man, I actually believe everything because what one thing I would say about you though is that you. That that when you when you put your mind into something, bro, like you actually get it done. Me as as a hustler, it's so like another hustler. That's like a, a skill set that not a lot of folks have. And I'm talking about, especially when you're given a certain card to actually you know play with. And I'm talking about. So so I I actually salute that dog. You know what I mean? Um, overall, divine man. Let's say the listeners listening right now and they want to ask you more questions or advice or basically reach out to you the same way that that, that you did to to Ben. Um, how can anyone contact you? Yeah, um, I'll give I'll give listeners my, my email, um, divine, d i v i n e, at blackgroup.com, b l a k, g r o u p, um, dot com. So that's divine at blackgroup.com. Um, you can find me on all social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as divine fourth letter, that's d i v i n e, number four t h letter l-e-t-t-e-r and um yeah feel free to reach out to me email me direct message me on any of those social media platforms i'm very open to building with people mm-hmm. more walks of life no matter the industry if there's something i can add on to assist you in your endeavors or your life's journey with that being said divine um how can we help you you know what i'm saying in other words whether it's the listeners or whoever that's that's listening to this what can we do or they do to help you keep going forward or just share the story, share, share my share, share my personal journey with other people. Um, I found that you know when I when I, I do I was doing a lot of speaking engagements when I first got into the space, and um, you know telling my story, and I, and I found that it really inspires and motivates people from from young to old or young to older. So yeah, just you know just share the story. If you find somebody that that's that's dealing with recidivism, anybody that's dealing with you know having a criminal background, being a felon, and they're trying to get back you know get back on the right track and rebuild their life, you find somebody who's just a first time entrepreneur founder and they're trying to build their startup and they're trying to come up with an idea share my story with them i found that it's that, that is as i've been told that it that is inspirational and it's motivational so share my story y'all overall man divine from your whole life experience from you you know from the streets and then now uh, from from that to music to street to actually to in the tech industry um what is like some last words of advice you want to give Everybody, whether they're in tech, whether they're not in tech, whether they in the streets, not in the streets, just overall, what is that one thing that you wanna you you wanna leave on the table before you go before you go today? I believe in you. You know, never give up on you. I've always found it beneficial to have faith in a higher power. If you find a higher power within you, tap into it, have faith in it. Um, nothing comes easy. Strive, expect the worst, hope for the best, pray for the best. Um, expect the worst because anything else you get, you know, you're going to be able to deal with, man. You know, persevere, be determined, be relentless, 
focus and follow your ambition, follow your aspirations, and you know, and embrace your passion, but but really look to follow your contribution. What can you bring to the world? We all here together. I came out from the mold, dread headed.